The His Girl Friday podcast is brought to you in part by Messenger Fellowship, living the kingdom, fulfilling the call, proclaiming the truth. It's the second Monday of March, and you know what that means. Time for another edition of the His Girl Friday podcast. Of course, I'm being facetious. Just wanted to create a mock excuse to cut another episode. But for real, hope you guys are doing well and that the uh, the new month is off to a great start. Tonight, I want to talk a little bit about a recent post I put up on His Girl Friday called Messiah's Misfits. And this comes from 1 Corinthians 4. Well, let me backtrack just a little bit. A few weeks ago, I just felt the Lord tap me and say, hey, I want you to spend some time in 1 Corinthians. I know you're going through the Bible in a year again, and you're in Joshua and Judges, but I want you to also kind of get some 1 Corinthians exposure in the next week or two. And so I've been just diving in. I'm into chapters 5 and 6 right now, but chapter 4 was very interesting, and there was a moment where I was reading in the message that just there was just a light bulb that went off, and I realized that I needed to to write on this. Um, and I'm no stranger to the content. I mean, I've read First Corinthians four many times before, uh, but the epiphany was this: of all the chapters in all of Paul's letters, arguably the greatest content on vocational perseverance can be found at the heart of the chapter, uh, specifically verses 9 through 13. And here Paul is discussing the nature of true apostleship, which may off the bat seem like a strange correlation, you know, talking about vocational perseverance and apostleship, how do the two go together? Well, that's basically what we're going to talk about tonight. Uh, But before we do that, I think the best thing to do is just to let the word speak for itself. So we're going to... uh, get heavy in the word here. Uh, We're going to go, so we'll start with the English Standard Version, then go to the message and Amplified, and we're really trying to get a well-rounded idea of what Paul is trying to say. We'll start with the English Standard. For I think that God has exhibited us apostles as last of all, like men sentenced to death, because we have become a spectacle to the world, to angels and to men. We are fools for Christ's sake, but you are wise in Christ. We are weak, but you are strong. You are held in honor, but we in disrepute. To the present hour, we hunger and thirst. We are poorly dressed and buffeted and homeless, and we labor, working with our own hands. When reviled, we bless. When persecuted, we endure. When slandered, we entreat. We have become and are still like the scum of the world, the refuse of all things. Now the message. It seems to me, The God has put us who bear his message on stage in a theater in which no one wants to buy a ticket, where something everyone stands around and stares at, like an accident in the street, where the Messiah's misfits. You might be sure of yourselves, but we live in the midst of frailties and uncertainties. You might be well thought of by others, but we're mostly kicked around. Much of the time we don't have enough to eat, we wear patched and threadbare clothes. We get door slammed in our faces, and we pick up odd jobs anywhere we can get to eke out a living. When they call us names, we say, God bless you. 
when they spread rumors about us, we put in a good word for them. We're treated like garbage, potato peelings from the culture's kitchen, and it's not getting any better. And last of the Amplified. For I think God has exhibited us apostles at the end of the line, like men sentenced to death and paraded as prisoners in the procession, because we have become a spectacle to the world, a show in the world's amphitheater, both to angels and to men. We are regarded as fools for Christ, but you are so wise in Christ. We are weak, but you are strong. You are highly esteemed, but we are dishonored. To this present hour, we are both hungry and thirsty. We are continually poorly dressed, and we are roughly treated and wandered homeless. We work for our living, working hard with our own hands. When we are reviled and verbally abused, we bless. When we are persecuted, we take it patiently and endure. When we are slandered, we try to be consolatory and answer softly. We have become like the scum of the world, the dregs of all things, even till now. All right, so not the most pleasant passage in Paul's letters, but one that stands out and bears some importance. And in order to really grasp that importance, we must understand the broader context. So the first question we must ask is, what is the nature of true apostleship? When you start in 1 Corinthians 4, that's the title in a lot of translations. Um, has to do with apostleship. So we go back to first one, we find part of the answer. And this is paraphrased. Uh, this is a paraphrased answer, but essentially true apostleship is those uh, refers to those who minister gospel hope as servants, stewards, and ambassadors of Christ, no matter the cost. In that amplified version, it breaks it down further, describing uh, these servants as those who are certain in adoration and worship more than they are certain in anything else. Now, that's connecting some dots. You don't find that verbatim. But I'm going to explain what I mean by that in just a few minutes here. What you need to know now is apostleship goes beyond the office of apostle. There's a difference between the two. And this is one that I haven't really thought about until recently. A lot of times we think apostleship and apostle are the same thing, and they're not. Apostle refers to what Paul was in his mission and in his, in his ministry. Uh, apostleship is more universal and something that we could all partake in. It involves anyone who is willing to be salt, light, and life in places where there is none. If you are being a faithful steward of God's call on your life, you're engaging your apostolic anointing. Whether you know it or not, whether or not you have a mobile ministry and you do this and you have a ministry where you're full-time on the road or something. Um, it's moot compared to God's faithfulness being reflected in what you say and what you do as you draw people to Christ. The reason why I highlighted the word mobile in the post was I think a lot of times we look at Paul and he was constantly on the go and we think that to be an apostle we have to constantly be on the go. And I think we get tripped up by that thought. We're all hustling in different ways. On the go is going to look different. You know, Paul was going from community to community to church to church. That's what God called him to do. But for many of us, we are called uh, in central locations in key seasons. And these seasons, there's several of them. There's several distinct ones we we go through. There's there's small ones and there's big ones. Um, and a lot of times, we are anchored. When, we are, when we're salt and light in life and places where there is none, 
we are anchored in a certain occupational calling. And this ties into the bigger picture was his growth fire about. It's helping marketplace ministers, vocational slash bivocational leaders discover their pastoral, their prophetic, their evangelical, their apostolic giftings, spiritual gift mixes. And so we have to understand that this looks a lot of different ways. That if you're listening to this, you have a part to play in apostleship. But the next question we must ask ourselves is, how do we abide in the nature of true apostleship? So we find this in verses 7 through 8. They precede the passage we just read. And again, we'll paraphrase uh, the hint that the passage offers. We have not only been given everything for goodness and godliness. A little bit of Second Peter 1, 3 there. But every reason to trust the Lord as our portion. And I'll say that again. We have not only been given everything for goodness and godliness, but every reason to trust the Lord as our portion. That comes from Psalm 73, 26. And it's interesting to note that portion in that passage, Psalm 73, 26. Um, we talk about portion. It refers or has ties to the Hebrew root rock, which I think is very interesting. So, as we reference God in reverence, which, by the way, that form of dependence opens us up to the Romans 5, 1 through 5 road, which is just a, a future post for another day. As we reference God in reverence, to live as Christ becomes the foundation to our perseverance and influence regardless of setting and trial. After all, there are different kinds of work we all employ. It pertains to a lot of different occupational, vocational gifts that God has given us. A lot of different skills and mindsets, etc. But in all of them and in every one, it is the same God at work. Connects back to what true apostleship is all about. It's all about the same God who is at work in all these things. It makes sense when we talk about we're co-equal in value, diverse in function. It makes sense that that models God, the Trinity, what's been from the very beginning, and that is reflected in how he's created us and what he's called us to and what he's employed us to. So understand that as far as how we abide and walk out the nature of true apostleship, being yielded and tethered to the Lord and his will that is foundational. That is absolutely key. Finally, we arrive at verse 9, where Paul begins to stir in some serious poetic license. Messiah's misfits, prisoners of spectacle, an accent in the street, everyone stands around and stares at. These are all powerful metaphors and similes reminding us that there's no earthly honor and apostleship. And I think we look at what it means to be an apostle. We think apostleship is the same thing. And we think that, oh man, being apostle is great because it's this platform and you get to take it all over like you're a touring rock band. And it's not the case. Yeah, you're on tour in a sense, but the tomatoes are being thrown at you. You're not getting cheers, you're getting booze for the most part. 
So if by chance we are pursuing any glory apart from what is rightfully God's, our endurance, our faithfulness, our steadfastness, they will not stand. But if our satisfaction is rooted in being complete with Christ, in fullness of grace, as Colossians 2.10 talks about, if our contentment is secure to God's sufficiency, only then will we be victorious as dregs. And I know this is a paradox to the mind, to the flesh, to what comes natural to us, but it's one necessary for our dependence. When we are thirsty, we'll see the need as being filled as opposed to satisfying a lack. When we're persecuted, regardless of how that looks, we'll know God is with us as one who relates as opposed to withdrawn as one who can't. When we're struggling to make ends meet, we'll rest in the mysteries of what God has and hasn't revealed, since our reliance is not contingent on self. And this is a very key point to understand. As Take it from one who loves to make sense of where he's at in the present and what has happened in the past to get him to that present. We understand that God can't fully reveal himself. When we try to Sherlock the ways of God as opposed to trusting in the ways of God, then we're going to see life as upside down, as if the hourglass is flipped, which is a metaphor I've used in recent pods, but it's one that very much comes to mind. It's hard to accept what doesn't make sense. It's like we're okay being misfits to sin, but not to the minds and culture tolerating it. I know for me, I'd rather be criticized for what I do wrong than be judged for what I do right. Because at least with the former, I can apply the corrections, take the critique, and move on. However, I also know whenever I crave my work to be affirmed, my value to be appreciated, my love to be reciprocated, I could declare God's grace as sufficient where I'm at. The fact I can joyfully keyword, boast, and his power made perfect in my frailty. This is 2 Corinthians 12, 9 through 11. And suddenly those weak as I eke moments fade into something infinitely more, the sweet reality that I need Jesus every second of every day. What a beautiful place to be. When I read Messiah's Misfits, I had that visual picture of, uh, you know, the Claymation Rudolph. Uh, some of us know, I think this was like the Burl Ives version. It came out in the early 1960s. And it's a Christmas classic. You know, I, I watch it almost every Christmas. And the Island of Misfit Toys, one of my favorite scenes and one of my favorite jingles from uh, that Claymation musical. And, you know, it was amusing as a kid. You know, you're looking at all these toys that are doing crazy things that, you know, there's, there's a flaw that keeps them from the original design, original function, and think that we view ourselves with that same lens that if the world sees us as misfit, or even if we're the ones that are, it's, that's classifying us or designating us as misfits, we're not going to be able to function. So we're terrified of that label. We think we can't do what God's called us to do. And so we're kind of stuck where we, we know we're not, we're supposed to stand out, but we want to fit in. And I think there's going to be times where we do something 
right for God. We're doing something. We're being obedient to the call and it blesses someone and we are going to be affirmed as an overflow. We can't be looking for the overflow though. Just let the encouragement wash over you and be like, you know what? To God with the glory, you know, it's like if our lives is a YouTube video, <laughs> it's like you're putting the creds in the description as to God. Like God is the one who's making this happen. He is putting it all together. I am just simply the obedient, willing vessel, the medium from which his glory and his transformation and his power is operating through. He is going to keep me functional, as functioning as long as I need to be. And I'm not, sorry, I'm not trying to hate on that clip from the movie, the, the, the Claymation Rudolph movie. I'm not trying to throw some shade on it. In its context, it's a it's a valuable part to the plot. But I think we need to be mindful of how we perceive misfit. Who is calling us that? Why? Are, you know, when we talk about why do we believe the lies of our identity that the world and culture try to lavish on us, that we are what we do, we are who we are. I think it's fair to drill down on what's feeling the deceptions as it pertains to our identity. Again, we like to figure things out. We, we understand God can't reveal everything to us, but we still feel entitled to those breadcrumbs every now and then. We want to experience breakthrough, I think, in part so that we can avoid or stay ahead of the misfit label. And so we have this incomplete idea of what it means to be complete with Christ. And we wonder why we're not satisfied. Or while, you know, we're, we're trying to endure, <laughs> but in our own strength, and we wonder why we're so out of gas all the time. The laws of reciprocity, of pecking order, of hierarchy, you scratch my back, I scratch yours. Those traces can be found in a lot of our perceptions and perspectives. We just got to do it solely for God and God alone. He has to far and away be the reason and the answer by which we work, think, function. The bottom line to me, just getting into some practical takeaways of 1 Corinthians 4, 9 through 13, as it pertains to being a vocational leader, dare to see the identity of what you do through the lens of apostleship. Just bringing it back around uh, to the term. Dare to see the identity of what you do through the lens of apostleship, through the lens of being a servant, taking light into dark places. And if hard times come, don't be surprised, but rather view them as a sign you're doing things right. That you're being aligned to Christ's righteousness. Assuming the hard times aren't consequences of sin and shortcuts, obviously. When you bless others in the face of voids and discouragement, remember the same Christ you asked to bless others is the same Christ who will honor your obedience. If you don't fit in, congratulations. You're doing something right. And remember, you were never called to, to fit in in the first place. Stand out, take what comes from it, know the power 
of you standing through adversity and challenge will assuredly have a positive ripple effect on those around you, even if you don't see it right away. Sometimes this will manifest itself through divine protection. We understand why breakthrough isn't coming. And a lot of times we, we, we vent or complain about a lack of breakthrough because we see it only as one or two ways. As opposed to God being at the core of the situation, the foundation, the center, the reinforcing far away reason and answer to that situation. In short, God is the ultimate meter of ends. For those who are struggling to make ends meet, maybe that part of the message translation talks about, you know, we, we, we're eking out a living. We're struggling to make ends meet. We don't fully understand all the things that are going on in our lives. Putting two and two together. We may struggle to count the cost. We may have sincere moments of of doubt where it's like, God, are you? did you really call me to this? Or are you really in this right now? Or did I assume? In our own strength, trust always has an expiration date, which is why we are daily renewed with Christ by daily dying and, and rising with him. That daily aspect of walking and abiding with Christ cannot be undermined and detached from any part of our identity, including our vocational identity. Apostleship and perseverance go hand in hand because we so love the Lord. We understand that we are so loved by Him and that we have this love to overflow on others, this gospel hope to people in places that, you know, that hope doesn't exist in. We're so caught up in the awesomeness of God that the, being a faithful steward is like this overflow. We can't help but want to be close. You know, we're close to the call because we're close to God. It's not, we're not putting the card before the horse. We're not doing one before the other. It's how we burn out and just risk disappointment, discouragement, and disengagement. But to engage our apostolic anointing through apostleship, whether or not, like, we may not be we may be more pastors than apostles as far as like the fivefold uh, gift matrix, if you will. Like we, we may be, some of us may be more, um, you know, Romans 12, uh, elders or deacons. Not so much literally, but just as far as what our dominant uh, spiritual gift is. Uh, some of us may be more teacher. Some of us may be more prophetic, but it doesn't mean we don't have a part to play in apostleship, which is what I'm trying to get home at. And if we're engaging that apostleship, then we're going to likely run into these moments where we don't fit in, where the world is pointing the finger at us, laughing at us. Don't be discouraged in those moments. You're put down for Christ. He is the vindicator. Justice is a core part of his mercy and a core part of his wrath. He will have the final word at some point. And sometimes 
the best move in the moment is to lay down that entitlement to have a word, to retort, to respond. We turn the other cheek. It may not be pretty. It may not be easy. But in all things, we trust in the Lord through adversity, and we trust that He is going to help us get through those times with that constant love as a river, love as a waterfall, love as an overflow, being a constant because of Him. So that's all I got tonight. Hope you guys got a little bit out of this. Um, I know that just in a vacuum, this passage of 1 Corinthians 4 may seem heavy. You know, the message ends and it's not getting any better. You may feel like, man, my circumstances at work or just where work meets family life or where work meets church life, recreational life, like I can't, you know, I'm just hitting this wall. I'm just, I'm stuck in the muck here. I feel like that garbage, that potato peeling from the culture's kitchen. But God is with you. He is for you. You are highly esteemed in Christ. You are strong because of him, in him, through him. If you're hungry and thirsty, congratulations. The fact you can hunger and thirst is a beautiful thing. We are created for that. And then you start to see those voids and lacks completely different. And the hourglass is then reversed back in its proper position. And that's how you see challenge and adversity. I get to go through this. I get to grow some spiritual muscle. <laughs> My trust gets to be refined and fine-tuned. My trust doesn't have to stay the same place. I can mature in that. God so loves us. He's maturing those fine qualities that exist in him, that he, you know, those fine qualities that he's put in us. There's a reason why we have this time on earth to grow and learn of him and, and, and become like him and increase in the likeness of him as we decrease to places of flesh and of self-seeking desire. Where the scum of the world, we're doing something right. Again, assuming that our sin is stronghold is not the reason why. So, all right, now I'm done. Sorry, I'm going to stop preaching at some point. Guys, you are awesome. Thank you once again uh, for your, I guess not, it's not viewership, but just your, your partnership in this podcast and for being willing to be an extension of our ministry. Just by hearing this, you're receiving something uh, from God that we hope you can take into your places of, of, of influence and expertise. That this can join with other truths that you know and become this reproducible content that emits from your faith, from your belief system, from your very life, from every action and thought. You know, every conversation, every email exchange, every presentation, every divine appointment. Just know we're rooting for you as always. And if you have any questions on this or need prayer, Liz and I are here for you. If not, we pray blessings and providence and covering, anointing the, the riches of God's highest over your life, your week, the month ahead. It's going to be our goal to get one more pod before the end of the month to keep that rhythm going. So, all right, guys, as I always say, 
I love you, and I'll catch you on the fry. Peace.